When approaching the Ten Commandments, it is important to note that these laws are showing us how we're to respond to the perfect character of God. We're to be holy as He is holy, and this is the problem. On our own, we can never be that. That's why Jesus Christ came. He came to provide to us a righteousness that we can never gain by our own efforts. His righteousness that He gained for us. Welcome everyone, I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. I'm the director of the International Mission Church Partnership Evangelism. We have full-time staff in South America and Asia and Europe, and we have ministry partners and directors in many other countries. We're blessed that God has allowed us to be a part of reaching lost people and planting churches through the years, and even in these challenging times, He's still using us for this purpose. To learn more, go to traincpe.org. I'm also the Bible teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our fellowship, go to breadoflifeboise.org. The last half of Romans chapter 1, all of Romans chapter 2, and the first half of Romans chapter 3 reveal the age-long pursuit to be righteous, and it is futile. It produces just an unending effort to be what you can never be in yourself. Then in Romans chapter 3, verse 21, a wonderful promise of hope breaks through the unending darkness of effort. Now, it says, but now a righteousness of God may come to us through faith in Jesus Christ. Every good, true, moral law that we embrace is a reflection of the divine lawgiver's own nature and character. All the laws, all the Ten Commandments that you look at, God gave those commandments, they're not arbitrary commandments. If you studied them and considered the Ten Commandments, each one of them is a reflection of something that's true in God. And God is asking us, in a sense, by the way we live, to reflect His very character and His very nature. Yet when we try to do that, we fail over and over again. The Lord Jesus came and He lived a sinless life. And he lived a sinless life and he obeyed all the commands, but it wasn't because he had a checklist. It wasn't because he had them memorized in the back of his head and he was just making sure they kept checking. Okay, don't lie. Okay, today, remember, don't lie. And he had this checklist that he was fulfilling and keeping. It's not because he was just following the law. It was because he was God in the flesh, come the flesh. It was because all those laws were a reflection of his own character. So in this sense, Jesus didn't follow the law. The law followed him. The law followed him. Now, if you think you can be right before God by following the law, you won't be able to. But if you want to, you can follow the law to the Lord Jesus Christ. It'll lead you to him, the one who perfectly and completely fulfilled it. And all, oh Lord, I failed. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. But you did. This is an expression. Ah, this was teaching me of what you are like, what you are perfectly like, what you have accomplished. This is teaching me what you want to give me from your own good self. Your life. That's the promise here. That's what God's given us. 2 Corinthians 5.21. I've quoted this to you. It's one of my favorite verses. When the Lord Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross to bear the sins and the punishment of sins that we had committed, but he also went to the cross in order that he might lift up before God the perfect righteousness that he had lived and extend that as a gift to us that we might receive. And so 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus Christ, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. I look to the Lord Jesus. I believe that He has fulfilled and kept all the law 
that the law has followed him and I follow the law and it leads me to Jesus, the perfect, sinless, righteous one. And I realize this righteous, sinless one gave himself to die in my place for my sins and to then extend to me and give to me his perfect righteousness to cover me, to fulfill this instinct and that desire. In that moment, I enter into the now of God's perfect and complete righteousness. My righteousness, the Bible says, my own efforts, the Bible says, is like filthy rags. It's unacceptable to a perfectly righteous God. And so God designs and desires to bring to us his own righteousness and say, here, clothe yourself with this. Put on my righteousness. I'll give it to you. That's what he provides for us. His own glorious righteousness to be received just now. Let's look at one other thing very quickly. In the very beginning of Romans, Paul talks about the fact that he has been set apart to the good news of God. Then he says that he's a servant to the good news of Jesus Christ. And then he says that this good news is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. There's no difference. This good news comes to whoever has faith. But then Paul doesn't explain or give a full understanding of what that faith is that he's talking about. He says the just will live by faith and that God gives this good news and it comes. At this point, that God even gives a righteousness to people that comes to them by faith. But it doesn't explain the full nature of that faith until we come here in this passage. And now what Paul does is he shares with us that this faith that he was talking about has to have an object. And that the object of this faith is Jesus Christ. The faith that brings to us salvation, the faith that brings to us the righteousness that God would provide for us, which is good news, as opposed to all of our effort and also all of our sin, is a faith that has an object, and the object is Jesus himself. And so, he says, is a righteousness that comes to us, what? By faith in Jesus Christ. We see that in our passage. There's a lesson for us in all this. It's that when we come to God and we receive salvation, it's not by our effort. It's by something that comes to us utterly other than from ourselves. It comes by just trusting in Jesus himself. And that's the good news and that's the gospel. But so often after that happens, we get in a pattern of living that doesn't reflect that gospel. We go back to a mentality that says, okay, now that I've received this kind of initial righteousness from God, I'm going to prove in myself that I can do this. And we take it back into our own labor and our own effort and we work hard. Let me just tell you that you might think this is true, but it isn't. Satan is not going to resist you if you're trying to do good deeds. He's not going to try to resist you too much if you're just trying to show your neighbors what a kind person you can be. He'll even help you develop disciplines of being patient. If you think that you should change certain areas and behave in your life and that this is going to make you right with God and gain God's approval, Satan will probably help you succeed at it. He's more than happy to let you make headway in morally refining your life. And he's not opposed to that message in the world today. In fact, he's authoring it. Just be a little better. Just be good. Just improve yourself. Just be good to this person and that person. You want to know where the gospel lies, where the good news lies, find out the message that Satan is resisting. Here's the message that Satan resists. You're a sinner. That there is nothing that you can do in your effort and your labor to save yourself or put yourself right with God. The effort you're doing is a continuous, ongoing slog that you will be unending and you'll never escape. But there's an end to all this struggle. God has come 
so that through Jesus Christ he might give you his own righteousness, that you might stand right before him. God has given an answer, and it comes through faith in Christ alone. I guarantee you, that is the message that Satan resists, that Satan resents, that Satan opposes, because it gives all the glory to God. It says it's all from God. You don't get to say, well, you know, I came to some better understanding of other people and I made some good decisions and I prayed a prayer and I began going to church. I started doing good things and I cleaned up my life. You don't get to say that. I'm just a sinner who reached out to take hold of what Jesus freely gave me of himself, of his own righteousness. The other day I was speaking to our brother in India one of the brothers, there's a number of different brothers that I was speaking to, I speak to him quite regularly, but he was telling me that, well, you know, I'm trying to maybe change my message of salvation to people. I'm trying to say that, well, there's a salvation that just helps them in their physical needs, and there's a salvation that maybe can help them find justice in their community, and a salvation that comes by bringing good, clean well to them, and by maybe developing a salvation that comes to build better roads for them, and they all kind of come together, and it blends into the salvation that God gives us where he forgives us of our sins, and I said, well, Listen, brother, listen, there may be a sense in which you save a person from a hard day's work or you save a person from a tummy ache because you give them clean water and you save them from some sense of misery. But, you know, the Lord Jesus said the poor you're always going to have with you. There are always going to be these troubles and these issues. And that's not the salvation that God is offering us. Listen, brother, read the book of Romans. Read the letter to Romans. Read the message that was declared. Here's the thing. I want to ask you something. Has Satan resisted you when you're trying to bring clean water to a village? Has Satan stood in opposition to your efforts to go and bring people and veterinarians to go and help them take care of the animals? It's all good things. Now listen, I'm not opposed to any of that. But is Satan resisting you? Is standing in the way of these things? No. What is it that Satan is resisting in your community? What is it that is initiating persecution to you as pastors? Why are they throwing you to jail? Is it the message, we need to bring better wells to people? We need to give people good medical care or veterinarian care for their animals? Or we need to find new ways to give them fresh, clean fuel for their cooking fires? Is that the reason that you're being persecuted? No. What are you being persecuted for? By teaching people that there's no other way of salvation than through Jesus Christ and that it comes freely through his gift to be believed. In your own life, you find out where the resistance comes and you'll find that's where it comes. Satan is perfectly happy for you to default back to try harder, work better, find out a way, develop a system, get your plans and, no. The Spirit of God comes and says, no, trust in me, believe in me, rest in me, live in the now of the flesh. God's complete righteousness given to us. It's a sign of the sinfulness that's in our flesh that we say, thanks God, let me try this myself. Let me prove it by my own effort. That's got to be repented of. That's the thing we have to turn from above everything else. You think you just have to repent of your sins? You have to repent of this internal prejudice and this default that says, let me do it myself now. Let me prove it in my own effort. When God would pour out upon you the righteousness of God, which is by faith. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. What 
a tremendous and wonderful resting place we could have if we choose this. What an end to the restlessness and the groping and the searching and the trying and the failure if we could but choose to take this. God, reveal it to us. Manifest it to us. Show us something that is outside of our human efforts and experience and knowledge. Something that's divine. Something that comes from heaven itself. Your perfect, absolute, holy, unsullied righteousness. Justness. Goodness. Holiness. Ready to envelop us and cover us. Well, God, we know our flesh will still have these impulses to sin. There'll still be the instinct within us to do it our way. But oh, to choose to live clothed in the righteousness of our God. Bring us to that good news. Help us to live in that good news. May this be the day for some in which the now of this eternal gift and blessing floods upon them with overwhelming power. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. First, go to traincpe.org, traincpe.org, to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.